everyone, welcome back to the Finding Your Feet podcast, a podcast show dedicated to helping you get closer to your true authentic self by helping you find your feet in life. This is episode 77. Welcome back to the show, guys. And today we've got a very, very special guest on, Mo Gowder. He's an international best-selling author, an engineer, a mathematician, an entrepreneur, an investor, the former chief business officer of Google. But strip all of that back behind all those titles, all that success. He has got a heart of gold and he's full of wisdom. He was such, such a nice guy, the nicest energy. We had such a lovely conversation. You'll be able to hear it in the episode today. The energy was flying back and forth. The love between us and Mo was there. (laughs) It was just so nice. And just wait till the end because his final point might make you cry. Yeah, literally. It was probably like one of the most profound conversations I've ever had. It was beautiful like when we finished we were like that was absolutely beautiful i'm just so grateful that he came on our show to share his wisdom and his love (laughs) yeah absolute honor to have him on um so yeah you won't cry in a bad way you'll cry because it'll get you in the feels the last thing he said but there's so much to take out this episode guys so make sure you're tuning in when you're listening to this you might want to write some things down Mm. because he talks about a whole range of things and there is so much to take away from this that can be applied to anyone so whoever you are listening to this right now because I know we've got a range of audience we've got men and women we've got spiritual people and more people that are just more focused on like neuroscience we've got a whole range of of listeners but every single one of you no matter what you're more interested in Mo has something for you Mm -hmm. in this chat and to let it land because there was like there's like a lot of life-changing thoughts and advice in this um so I really want you to all take it in and really hear it because I think it can really really help some of you yeah I think I'd definitely just come back to the episode because I honestly feel like everyone in the world could benefit from this episode like just he covers so many amazing things and I probably think we'll come back on the show as well because he touched on so many things but we just didn't have enough time to actually go into how many amazing topics he knows so much about so many things yeah he's very clever we could have been there for hours yeah yeah it would have been a long long podcast um but yeah the final words I will definitely cherish forever and Mm. remember and live my life by them now um I'm just very grateful that we got to to hear those words of wisdom spoken straight to us on our own show. But thanks to you guys giving us the platform, the audience, Mm. the loyal audience that comes back every week. You're the reason we can host these conversations and we can all benefit from hearing from them. But we'll stop gassing up the episode. (laughs) You can tell how much we love that conversation. Yeah, and we'll... um, we'll Let you listen. (laughs) But before we do, just got to read our Apple podcast review of the week. So this week's review is from Naomi and she says, flip to switch. I've read self-help books and listened to other YouTubers and podcasters. And as much as I agreed with them and learned a lot, it didn't sink in. After doing some counseling, I found your podcast and it's changed everything. I started journaling again and it's been life-changing. I really resonate with you both and I feel like I know you. You've activated something in me and I'm ready to live my best life. And for the first time, I truly believe that I am worthy. I'm a firm believer in karma and you girls have so many good things coming your way. Thank you for being you and keep doing what you're doing. That is the most beautiful, beautiful review I've read in a long time. Yeah. That really got me in the feels. Yeah, it did. When it came through, we Mm. were like sent in our WhatsApp group and we were like, whoa. Um, So nice. Thank you so much, Naomi, for taking the time to leave that. And um, yeah, that goes straight into my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
very, very, very special. Thank you. And uh, hopefully, yeah, the, the karma will come round. Yeah. <laughs> and that we do have, well, I say we've got good things coming our way. Life's always good to us, but um, yeah, it's just really lovely. And thank you for your, for your nice wishes. And we will keep doing what we're doing keep spreading the message um but if you guys want to be featured in a review of the week next week all you need to do is leave us a review on apple podcasts and we will read yours out at the beginning of the show next week but before we do get into this incredible episode we just have a quick word from our sponsor who are best help that's help h-e-l-p and their mission is to help you start living a happier life from today so BetterHelp is a professional secure online counselling service who will set you up the therapist in under 48 hours. So whatever you're struggling with at the minute with your mental health, if it's depression, anxiety, OCD, grief, PTSD, or you just feel blocked, you just feel low and you just can't figure anything out, therapy is the perfect place to go to start clearing through that. And BetterHelp have a huge range of therapists with all different kinds of expertise, super high qualified. So no matter what it is that you're struggling with at the minute, there is somebody on that platform that is perfect to help you. So all you need to do is go onto their website and fill out a questionnaire and they'll get a picture about who you are and what your needs. And then they can match you with the perfect therapist. And even if it turns out that you don't actually like the therapist, they match you up with, you can change for free as many times as you like until you find the perfect one for you. Yeah. And as Grace said, they are worldwide and they have really incredible reviews. So you can go and check out the reviews at betterhelp.com forward slash reviews. And the best thing about it is it is from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to go to no awkward waiting rooms and get yourself out of your comfort zone. You can set a weekly video of phone call sessions or even messages if you do want to just lead up and build your confidence a little bit with your therapist. And as Grace said, you can switch therapists for free until you're happy. So if you aren't comfortable or you're not just vibing with your therapist, you can change until you're happy. Yeah, so you can just talk to them on an app on your phone or on your computer. You don't even need to leave your bedroom to access it. You can literally just relax at home and get the professional support you need from a licensed counsellor. And as well as all that fabulous stuff, they are also significantly more affordable than traditional offline counselling. So they are also giving our listeners an extra 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp. So if you want to access this discount, all you need to do is go to betterhelp.com forward slash finding your feet. That's betterhelp.com forward slash find your feet. We've left the link in the show notes. Just click through there, fill out the questionnaire and you will be seen by a therapist in two days. But there's no shame in therapy. It's like getting a personal trainer for the mind you are so worth investing in the support if you need it. If you've been struggling, having a hard time or the thing with therapy as well, you don't even need the wheels to have fallen off to go. You can just, if you feel a bit blocked, like you want to work on yourself, you don't need to be at rock bottom to go to therapy. Like there's such a stigma about it that that's what it's for, but it's not anybody can access it at any time. Um, and it's such a great tool to just develop and improve how you feel and fit you know work on your inner world and your outer world transforms but me and Abby are big advocates for therapy we both do it ourselves and it's been a game changer and yeah we don't wait until rock bottom to to go and access that um but yeah if you want to know anything else about better help or therapy in general come and chat to us on instagram at find your feet podcast and we're happy to answer any of your questions if you're nervous or you're not sure you want a little bit of advice but if you're ready to take the next step then just head to the link in the show notes to get your 10 percent off your first month of therapy with better help yes therapy is definitely an investment you will never regret but that is all for now let's get into the episode 
Okay, so I'd just like to welcome Mo Gowda on the show today. We are so happy that you are here having a conversation with us. We really, really admire your work, your book, your podcast, yeah. and just your philosophy on life. So it's an honor for us to have you here. We're really excited to have a chat with you today. I, I'm delighted to be here. I'm sorry it took us a bit of time to arrange, but uh, as I, you know, I, 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 as you probably would believe, it's always the right time. So today feels mm-hmm. just right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so l- let's jump in with the the classic question. But ha- like, obviously, you've written your book. You now do your podcast, and you have this very interesting, unique story that's led you to have this view on on um, happiness. Um, so, where, how did your journey start? Where did it? How did it all unfold to lead you to where you are now, where you are trying to make millions of people across the world happy? I, I actually, uh, so people normally ask me that. I actually don't believe I have a unique story. I mean, I had a story that had a bit of success in it, a bit of depression, uh, a bit of happiness, and a bit of uh, loss, right? And mm-hmm. I, I cannot think of any human being that will not go through all of them. Uh, it, it reality is we all, we all get a taste of, of every one of them. My specific story is I, I did them at interesting times. So I was, I was very, 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 very successful, so much younger than I expected to be. Uh, at age 29, I had so much, so much that I never dreamt of, really. You know, an amazing woman in my life gave me two wonderful children. I had all the money you can dream of and, you know, the cars and the villa and all of that crazy stuff. When I actually came from nothing, I... You know, um, when I graduated university on my first job, which was considered a good job in Egypt, I was in IBM at the time, and IBM was the thing at the time. Uh, you know, we couldn't make ends meet. At the end of the month, we would have to visit our parents and, you know, remember how much we loved them because that's where there was dinner. And, you know, at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you really think about from that to my late 20s, um, when I had everything, uh, I, I turned miserable. And, and so... You know, most most men, they say, get their middle age crisis in their mid 40s, if you want. I, I got my middle age crisis at age 29, uh, where, uh, where basically I felt that I've achieved everything and that none of, the, none, of it, none of it is actually what they promised me it will be at all. And, and so I became very unhappy. I didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing. I was working really hard, uh, burnt out and... And I had to find a way out of my misery, if you want. Uh, but then to add insult to, in- to injury, if you want, I, my brain, which is reasonable when it comes to mathematics and logic and process and engineering and stuff like that, couldn't get a word. Like literally, I couldn't understand the thing that I was reading about happiness. I couldn't understand a thing that was said in a video because it was using a language that was a bit mystical, maybe a little t- too spiritual for my mood at the time. And I basically started to go into despair, the idea that I have all the money, I can throw it at, you know, uh, trips and cars and vacations and so on, and I'm still unhappy. Uh, It took me a while, but I think around four years into my uh, search uh, for that elusive thing that they call happiness, I found the trigger, okay? And something that spoke to my mind, really. And it's funny because... I, 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 you know, th- thought about it when I was listening to a, um, a Super Tramp song. You, you don't know Super Tramp, do you? Uh, 
you're too young. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, so Su- Super Tramp is a wonderful British band, and the song is called the Logical Song, and it starts by Seb, by the lyrics. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful, right? And you know, it describes that all the birds in the trees were singing so happily, and you you just how you're happy when you're a child, okay? And then, and then, uh, and then, you know, the song goes on to say, but then they sent me away to teach me how to be logical and sensible and critical and cynical. And and that basically is when the happiness ended. And I stopped at that song and I started to go like, oh, by the way, all of us, all of you listening to us, go, go and search for the logical song. I think it would Mm -hmm. really, you know, it's the story of your life, really. Uh, And, and. And yeah, and I stopped there and I found a clue. I found a clue that basically my unhappiness was not inherent. It was not genetic. It wasn't something that is unescapable, that I had moments in my life where I was very, very happy. And that the more I engaged in life in a certain way, the more that went away. And I started to act on that by understanding it literally like a scientist. I would run experiments and understand what what triggered happiness, what triggered unhappiness, and so on. And with that, I started to get into my work around the happiness equation and the six seven five model and all of the you know the 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 hyper structured stuff of how we become happy and unhappy. Uh, I shared it with my friends and family, and then everyone found it useful. But sadly, did not share it with the world until the world sort of nudged me to to do that. When uh, my wonderful son, who's also my coach, really my my mentor when it comes to the topic of happiness and other topics, basically left our world uh, sadly because of a, a medical error, a very simple uh, surgical operation that went wrong. And so when when he left us. Uh, I found myself, instead of griefing in the normal way, I found myself writing what he taught me and what we shared and putting it in that book, Solve for Happy, which became an international bestseller and really has changed uh, hundreds of thousands of lives uh, since. That's that's where things uh, started to go outwards, if you want. Mm. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I think your journey is really interesting, even though it may not be unique, like you said, so many people go through this, but I think your outlook is what is so unique and I, I'm sure that's inspired people all around the world. And I would definitely love to talk more about Ali, but you did just say there about your happiness equation. And when me and Grace discovered this in your book and then also at Roxy Nafusi's webinar when you were talking about this, I thought this is such a game changer because it just makes you look at everything so differently. Yeah. So yeah, I would love yeah. for you to tell us your happiness equation and how you kind of like got to this point of that happiness equation. Yeah, there is an equation for happiness. That was a game changer for me too. I mean, the, the reality is that Uh, no event in itself has ever made you happy or unhappy. And if you actually really look, I mean, our listeners, if they really look at their life, you know, rain sometimes makes you happy, sometimes makes you unhappy, right? You know, know, if you want to water a plant or if you want to annoy your ex uh, by destroying his, um, you know, date with the next girlfriend (laughs) or whatever, rain becomes wonderful. You love rain, right? You you want rain on her wedding, Mm. sort of. But, you know, uh, but, but, but the rain when you want to suntan annoys you, okay? And, and the idea is, uh, is there is not an event in specific. There is no inherent value of happiness or unhappiness in anything in life, really. 
and 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 when you when you realize that i what i did is i started to to try and find the pattern like a scientist would really you know took as many data points on the readings of what triggered my happiness and realized there was only one pattern and the pattern is not what the event was but what the event was in comparison to how i wanted the event to be okay and and you can summarize that in a very simple you know equation which basically says happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life and your equ- and, and and your expectations and hopes and wishes of how life should be right and and you do that all the time huh? so uh, i'm i'm told i have an interesting voice i never understood that by the way i think i sound like a little girl but anyway uh, you know it, <laughs> it is true i mean I, I i swear in my own ears i sound that way but but i'm told that i have a nice voice and so i'm you know when the, when the podcast starts you know people listening to this podcast will probably say hmm interesting i can listen to this it's nice right but then you know if they look at the video they realize i'm completely bald and light reflects on my head and they go like oh no no hold on you know that actually doesn't doesn't really work for us right every every event literally up to 60000 times a day believe it or not your brain is capable through its processing power of literally looking at every single minor change in your state in life and assessing it and saying is this what i want or isn't it what i right and if it is what you want you feel happy if it isn't you get those negative emotions and unhappiness you know is not just a being sad it's also being fearful anxious you know panicking if it's it's it could be shame it could be regret it could be there are so many negative emotions each of those is what your brain uses to tell you i don't like this this is not how i want life to be right and when when you get it that way suddenly everything changes i mean suddenly you actually have a very accurate definition of what happiness is you also have a very accurate definition of what fun is which by the way is different than happiness and you have a, a, an accurate definition of unhappiness and once you get that you get the accurate definition of what unhappiness is everything becomes easy because then you can solve the equation with accurate input and find happiness a lot more often Mm. Yeah, I really liked in your book where you were like explaining the difference between like what happiness actually is versus like fun and when you're kind of just escaping yeah. your thoughts to and yeah. I think that a lot of people do that especially in this like the society we live in now we've got like phones, Netflix, all these different things to stimulate us we can go out, we can there's so many things that you can go and use now to run away from yourself and I think you know like with the pandemic last year where we had a lot of that taken away um mm-hmm. I think then people were left to sit with themselves and they really kind of struggled that's what people were finding hard and and then a lot of people I think have on. had big sort of emotional breakthroughs and um and realized a lot of things over the last year of what actually is happiness even just from that experience of last year but yeah I'd love to get your thoughts some more on that true happiness yeah. versus fun and that sort of escapism yeah it, 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 it's paramount in importance because the world markets fun to us as the thing mm. to seek mm. right and and mm. so there is a lot of confusion you're constantly bombarded with stuff and you know i i i remember vividly the first time i got a fancy car it was a bmw 5 series i was 26 at the time it was sort of a middle management type of car i was like man that's amazing i took it to service i kid you not okay i took it to to service like 3 4 days later i bought it used from one of my friends perfect condition 7000 miles on it 
right? 7,000 kilometers, actually. Anyway, I, I, I took it to service. I, I put it in for an oil change, and I'm waiting outside for the car to be, uh, um, you know, completed, for the job to be completed, and drives by a 7 Series. And suddenly, I'm looking at the 7 Series and going like, what's wrong with my life? You know, hold on. I just had the most beautiful car come into my life, but I'm still saying what's wrong with my life because another car that I don't own, you know, drove in. Now, because that's because we're always told that a fancy car is going to make you happier. So, you know, a fancier car is supposed to make you even more happy that a, a, a vacation is, is of a certain kind or a, or a girlfriend of a certain figure or a, a party of a certain uh, uh, vibe. None of those make us happy. And, and the difference is very straightforward. Happiness is when events meet expectations, by the way, regardless of what the events are. Okay. If you're, if you're, exp so one of the easiest things for people to have gone through the, the second lockdown or the third lockdown is to say to themselves, it seems that this is going to last until spring. Okay. Maybe mm -hmm. even closer to summer, right? Knowing from what we saw last year that this was, was what happened. If you had told yourself this and expected that it was going to last until spring or summer and accepted that, your unhappiness would have gone away. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so, so let's, def let's put the definitions in place. Happiness is an event that meets your expectations. Okay. Which basically means happiness is a feeling of calm and peacefulness, a contentment with life, if you want. Okay. It doesn't matter what the event is. It matters, you know, and, and your expectations could be high or low. It doesn't matter. But the difference between them is what creates happiness. Fun, on the other hand, fun including fun and pleasure and psychedelics and, you know, every, not psychedelics, but drugs, if you want. Okay. Uh, all of that is basically an attempt to numb your brain long enough so that it stops mm -hmm. to think about the happiness equation. Okay. And think about it. Huh? You know that, you know, four, five seconds that you wake up in the morning and you haven't started thinking about your troubles yet. Okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, for, for those five seconds, you're peaceful, you're contented, mm. there is nothing wrong, okay? Then your brain kicks in and says, oh, he did this to me, right? Once your brain says that, everything goes wrong, right? It, by the way, he did this to you five seconds ago too. I mean, if he did it yesterday, it was true as, as well five seconds ago. But until you started thinking about it, mm, you were not unhappy. When you start to think about it, it makes you unhappy. And so what do we do? We distract ourselves. How do we distract ourselves? was something that I normally term that state of escape. Escape is to engage your body in physical movements or pleasures hmm, that occupy your brain long enough so that you stop solving your happiness equation. When you stop solving your happiness equation, you're happy because nothing is bothering you. Happiness actually is the ha absence of unhappiness. If, if there's nothing to make you unhappy, your natural state is happy. Right. And so what do we do? We go to, you know, we go to a party and, you know, jump up and down and, you know, shake a little bit and have a couple of drinks and your, your brain doesn't have time to think about your annoying boyfriend. Right. Yeah. And when, when that yeah. is the case, right, you do, you, you, you think that you're happy because there is no happiness equation, you know, uh, uh, nagging in your brain saying something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. Right. You, you, you go back home, you go to sleep, you wake up in the morning He's still annoying and you have a hangover on top of that. And so you're unhappy again. You run to the gym, you know, you're on the treadmill. Your brain goes like, I want to survive. I don't want to die. So I'm going to focus on this thing. It doesn't think about the happiness equation. You hit the showers, you're unhappy again. 
right? And mm-hmm. and so, so by the way, there, I, as I always say, there is nothing wrong with fun. Nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing mm-hmm. wrong with fun. It, it, it's it's wrong when you use it wrong. Okay, it's wrong when you use it as a painkiller because as a painkiller, yeah. you haven't solved the real issue. Okay, so 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 the real issue could be. Uh, will still remain and will still keep pop, popping up. Huh? If if your boyfriend or girlfriend is is annoying and you haven't addressed the issue, dancing for two hundred hours is not going to take it away, right? And by the way, unhappiness and crying for two hundred hours is not going to take it away either. Hmm? The only thing that is going to take away take it away is that you actually engage with the situation and get to a point of calm and contentment and peace. Either accept the situation, solve the situation, or kick him or her out. Right, and when when you when you when you see it that way, you start to realize that fun should be used as a supplement, not as a painkiller. Mm. Right, because when we use it as a painkiller, we literally get addicted to it. Okay, in an interesting way, you know, you go from a party to a wilder party because the normal party doesn't shut your brain down anymore. Right, you go mm. from the treadmill and you jump out of a, an aeroplane because extreme sports is the only way for your brain to shut up. Right. Uh, this, by the way, is exactly what happened in COVID. You know, Abby was, was saying yeah. it's, it's exactly spot on. Huh? We we become so addicted to that dopamine rush that makes us, uh, that, that we get when we're having fun, that when they locked us down, everyone was like, what are you saying? I, I have to be with me? Like, just just me and me? I'm, how do I handle that? Where is the external stimulation? Where is the mm. stuff that I'm going to have to, you know, distract my brain with? Right. And some of us got into deep depression. Others were like, okay, okay, let me actually reflect and see what life is about. Because now I'm mm-hmm. locked down with me. I might as well listen to me. Mm. Yeah. I just love that so much. I think it's so interesting. And I feel like it's something that's just like not spoken about a lot because so many people. I think they think they value their happiness, but then it's so much easier to take that easy route out and to go and numb yourself instead of actually prioritizing like pure happiness, like what actually makes you happy in the moment. And that's why like on our podcast, we're always talking about things like meditation because we believe so much in the power of like sitting with yourself. If you've got something to face, face it. And like you said, work through it and work to the other side of it instead of like always numbing yourself. Um, but yeah, so we love a bit of meditation and we know you have this concept, which is kind of the opposite to meditation, which when we heard, we were like, we want a bit of this. This sounds very interesting. Um, yeah, so many concepts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Um, but yeah, this one is, so it's Becky. (laughs) That's what we know. It's called Becky and you talk to her and it sounds very interesting and we've both tried it and we was like, wow, how have we not discovered this any sooner? So we'd love to know a bit more about that. So, so, so absolutely. I, I, I'd like us to come back to meditation if you don't mind, because I've written my, my, my third book, which is out. I mean, my second is coming out in September. My third is coming out in uh, next uh, spring. Uh, It's called that little voice in your head. And, And it basically really addresses the topic of meditation again, from an engineer's point of view, rather from, Mm -hmm. rather than the spiritual view of it. Um, So, so, so you, what what we have up there is the most in our heads basically is the most sophisticated uh, um, intelligent system on the planet um, until today as a matter of fact if you uh, uh, if you count the number of synapses in your brain it's bigger than the internet right and the number of things that this machine is capable of doing is just staggering huh? um, 
sadly soon artificial intelligence will take over, but for now we're still the the, the lead, right? Uh, that machine is like um, you know a sports car. If if you drive it well, hmm, uh, you can win races and you can you know uh, attract the girls or whatever you want, right? If you drive it like a maniac, it's gonna hurt you and hurt everyone around you, right? The, the problem is most of us don't actually get educated and trained around how to drive that machine, okay? No, nobody actually tells you, by the way, these are the characters of your brain and this is how it behaves. The, the, the opposite is true. They, te- they teach us wrong things about the brain. Hmm? And, and the wrongest of all of them is that highly westernized uh, notion that started from Descartes, if you want, uh, I think, therefore I am. The idea that we equate our thoughts to being, to who I am. That we, yeah. we, most people that you ask will say, yeah, of course, that voice in my head is me telling me what to do. Uh, you know, is me, uh, you know, preventing me from doing the wrong thing. Hmm? And that's actually not even close. Every Western, uh, 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 you know, every Eastern uh, philosophy will tell you, no, no, your brain is not you at all. Or that's the voice in your head is not you at all. Uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle calls it the thinker. And, you know, even neuroscientists will talk about uh, thinking fast and slow and how your that voice is really two different, different subsystems talking to you. And it's not very difficult to recognize that. It's not very difficult to recognize that if something is talking to you, then by definition, it's not you. Because if it was you, it wouldn't need to talk. If, mm-hmm. if, you, if you understand that a subject-object relationship, huh? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I need to talk to you ladies because you're not me. If you were inside me, if you could figure out what I want and what I feel and what I want to express, I wouldn't need to open my mouth, right? I wouldn't need mm-hmm. words to express it. And and there is a, lot, a ton of, of neuroscience behind that. Uh, you know, the idea that, you know, it's called the internal dialogue. It's basically the concept that that voice in your head was, uh, you know, when you were a child, you started to narrate things when when mommy was t- teaching you how to how to speak you would refer to a car and say this is a car and a cat and this is a cat and so on so you're, if you remember or if you look at a child in their early speaking age they'll be pointing at everything and just saying its name right until it becomes a little awkward and then we internalize that dialogue hmm? so instead of, instead of of actually saying out loud that this is a microphone in front of me my brain says microphone, okay? And, and that's when the internal dialogue develops. Now, the, the, there is nothing elusive about that, that we all have that little voice in our head. As a matter of fact, most of us have multiple voices. All of us have multiple voices. Um, the elusive thing is, I think, therefore, I am, that we think that this voice is me. And, and now, if you understand really what's going on, What's going on is you, you, I don't know, your heart pumps blood around your body. You never wake up every morning and say, I am the blood. You, you don't equate yourself to by the biological product that your heart you know, is pumping. Okay? And yet the, your brain is pumping thoughts and concepts and you start to say, no, I am those thoughts. I am the voice in my head telling me what to do. And that's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Huh? If you're not the biological product of your heart or or of, of your kidney or intestines, if you don't mind me saying, right? Then by definition, you're not the biological product of your brain. Hmm? And if you're not your thoughts, what do you do with that? Suddenly everything changes if you realize that. Because if you're not your thoughts, suddenly you no longer have to obey. 
you no longer mm-hmm. have to, to to believe what what that what that brain is telling you as a matter of fact you no longer have to listen at all you can tell your brain is this a good time to talk to me i'm like, you're annoying me now can you please stop i'm you know i'm enjoying this conversation with abby and grace don't 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 talk to me about you know the investor deal that's coming in a couple of weeks i don't care right and 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 the idea here so 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 i started to 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 treat my brain for what it is i call it becky i call it a third party right a different person because that truly is how it is it's a different entity a biological entity that is capable of explaining concepts that's talking to me about what's going on so that i can make those decisions now of course it would be very complex if i was to explain what i is in that case because a lot of people will you know will will say hold on if i'm not my voice then who am i we can spend another podcast on this yeah. but let's just agree uh, who you are not you are not that voice and suddenly everything changes hmm? so let's go back hmm. to meditation and and my personal you know uh, favorite meditation meditation is an attempt to get becky to get trained you know you can call yours becky or brian or whatever you like you know doesn't matter i i call i called it becky because i when i explained that concept to one of my friends Uh, and she said something stupid a week later i said where did that come from and she said becky told me and i said who's becky she said my brain who was the most annoying girl in school becky was the most annoying <laughs> girl in school and so i call my brain becky right and it's true huh? it's it's basically the most annoying being every seven minutes it just comes to you and annoys you and and then leaves without solving the problem right now <laughs> when so we we need to train becky the best thing by the way Uh, the, there is this concept that they call deliberate attention okay deliberate attention is your ability to concentrate on something by the way instagram and the likes are destroying that in humanity okay deliberate attention is for me to be able to say i'm going to put my phone down for the next hour and a half and i'm going to write about this topic and i'm not going to get distracted and i'm going to pay attention or the ability to say Abby and Grace are talking to me. I'm going to look them in the eye and I'm going to listen, okay? And before I answer the questions, I will understand them fully and so on and so forth, right? That that concept of deliberate attention hmm, is the opposite of in neuroscience of something they call hypofrontality. Hypofrontality is the is the, your your inability, the prefrontal cortex is the is the part of your brain that actually gives you the ability to focus and 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 pay attention. Hypofrontality is very well known in teenagers for example where you're constantly distracted because that part of the brain hasn't developed fully yet okay when that is the case believe it or not most you know depression uh, substance abuse addic- addiction uh, all of all of those negative mental health issues hmm, they're constantly correlated to lack of ability to pay deliberate attention Okay mm-hmm. so to work on developing that deliberate attention is key to being able to actually analyze life in any way that would ever lead you to happiness right mm-hmm. and what's the best way of doing that what's the best way of dra- of training your biceps so that you have a, a, a you know a, a fit body okay it's by repeatedly doing the exercise that you want the biceps to do you carry a dumbbell and you carry it up and down as many times as you can meditation does exactly that to the brain right it basically tells your brain i'll take you on a journey 
where I know you're going to get distracted. And then I want you to come back to deliberate attention. I want you to come back to focus, focus on your breathing, focus on the, you know, the beautiful colors of a butterfly, whatever. Right. And that mm -hmm. ability to, to focus, you do it over and over and over and over. And suddenly you develop deliberate attention and that makes you happier. That makes you happier. Mm -hmm. Why? Because when emotions take over, you're able to tell your brain, hold on, let's be deliberate about this. Let's assess the real situation. Let's do something about it. Let's compare it to other situations and so on and so forth. Right? So, so this is one side. My other side, surprisingly, is, so, so there are many, many levels of meditations. Hmm? One, mm. one of them is, is uh, you know, I, I call it the Jedi master level of meditation, if you want. If you go really, really, really to the top, uh, you know, meditation is a form of awareness. So if you're aware of your breathing, that's a, a form of meditation. Some of the highest levels of meditation is to become aware of what you're aware of. Okay. Mm. And to become aware of what you're aware of means you become aware partially is to become aware of your thoughts. So I, I do a meditation that I call meet Becky and meet Becky is 25 minutes, normally in the morning, three times a week where I sit with my brain, but do the exact opposite of what meditation is trying to do, where basically I'm not trying to get my brain to slow down or be quiet and calm. This is not the exercise. I'm not pulling the the dumbbells up for my biceps. I'm doing the opposite. I'm allowing my brain to tell me whatever is, you know, whatever crap is in there. Right. Mm. And, the, and, and I allow myself to take notes, but the only condition is that uh, no thought is repeated twice, of course, to, you know, and the typical condition of meditation. So two conditions, uh, uh, you know, the second would be, and no thought is clinged onto. So my brain would say, don't be late to Abby and Grace tonight in, for the recording, uh, you know, and I will say, sure, brain, Abby and Grace tonight. You know, it when they will then say, Ooh, wouldn't it be nice to have a coffee? And I will say, yeah, it would be nice to have a coffee. And then it would say, oh, by the way, uh, you're fat. And I go like, oh, why did you say that brain? But anyway, yes, my brain thinks I'm fat. And then eventually it would start to come back and go like, Okay, so wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be nice to have coffee? I would say, yes, it is, but you said that before. Don't say this mm. again, okay? And once you do that, something amazing happens. You get to the same calm and quiet that you get from meditation, but you get to it because your brain runs out of stuff to, to say. So you, you say, mm. what else, brain? What, what do you have else? And your brain goes like, um, that's it, really. Uh, I, I'm, that's it. Thank you for listening, right? <laughs> and, and I, and, and, and then, which is really interesting, by the way, your brain is talking mm. so much because we never really listen. Right. Yeah. And then I use that afterwards to actually assess my life and look at the crap that comes out of my brain and do some analysis on it. But, but the exercise really is to allow yourself to go the other side and become aware of what you're aware of. Hmm. I think that's so interesting. When you said at the at Roxy's happiness webinar about this meet Becky thing, like it just, ping something off my mind and I, I didn't forget that it's like the one thing from that whole workshop mm -hmm. that I really remember but I think there's so much suffering that goes on in the world like self-inflicted suffering in our own minds because we literally believe we are our thoughts and we have and obviously like a lot of the thoughts we have they're trying to protect us from danger so they are predominantly negative and looking for yeah. what could go wrong because 
you know, survival wise, that that used to serve us, but we don't we're not in immediate danger every day in our lives in the modern world we live in now. So um it yeah, people just really struggle because they just hook into these thoughts as the truth and fully believe them and, and absorb them and and just it spirals into so much. So yeah, we push meditation so much on this uh, podcast because you know we do it and we know the huge benefits you get from it. But I really like your concept of where it's kind of like the opposite where you're kind of asking your brain what what and what else do you want to tell me and what else and and saying like that you can't repeat the thought twice and oh you've said I'm fat okay right but I'm not really so let's just let that go and things like that it's um to talk to develop that relationship with your own brain and your thoughts like it's people don't think about it in that way so mm. thanks for sharing that because I think a lot of our audience will really really mm. take that on we've got a very proactive audience like they really do take on the advice that we say and actually implement it into their lives and come back and tell us about it. So, um, yeah, no one ever really speaks about thinking about your thoughts in that way. Um, so, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. It was very, very, very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one, one other thing about the brain, if you'll allow me, is to understand truly what the brain is, okay? So, mm. so, so there is, I, I mean, I had several guests on my podcast. Uh, Mark Gober, I think, was an incredible conversation uh, that basically tell you that consciousness is not brain related at all. Okay, that your mm. uh, your actual state of awareness uh, is um, is received by your brain almost like your radio receiver receives the radio waves. But that but that consciousness is itself is pervasive, right? And and the idea, and I wrote about that in in my book. But Mark explains it really well. Is that we actually do the opposite. The only thing you can do uh, is to obstruct awareness, right? The, 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 the reality is that if you actually remove those obstacles, remove those obstructions, hmm, you're constantly in, state, is a, in a state of presence and awareness, right? It's just mm-hmm. all of those distractions, all that the swiping and typing you do on, uh, on social media, it's all the, you know, the constant... Uh, um, um, uh, craving for uh, for distraction and stimulation uh, that is taking your ability to be present and completely conscious and aware away. Mm. Very interesting. So, so when you wrote Soul for Happy, obviously it came out about five years ago now, and it it is a book based on a lot of like logical thinking about obviously it's a happiness equation and you were really coming at it from your engineering background and that business mindset that you have. Do you feel like over the last five years, you know, you've, you've evolved as a person, your experiences and things like I can kind of tell from speaking to you now, are you, uh, and of what you've mentioned, like about Eckhart Tolle and things like that, are you think more in that because our our listeners really are interested in like spirituality and stuff like that as well as the more I guess you say masculine elements of um what the wellness world and that neuroplasticity side and all stuff like that but what do you yeah what what are your thoughts on like spirituality in that sense like oh do you consider yourself a spiritual person like do does that come into your wellness now as well as obviously um your happiness equation and and things like that oh yeah um so so (laughs) So we need to be strategic, uh, and, and I say that with a lot of love and respect. Uh, we have a problem as humanity, okay? And the problem is that depression is at an all-time high and that those traits mm-hmm. are, becoming, are becoming almost inherent in us. Hmm? And there needs to be an intervention. And in my next book, which I call Scary Smart about Artificial Intelligence, the challenge is that those traits will be inherited by the machines, Okay, mm-hmm. they'll be as grumpy, as narcissistic, as annoying as we are. 
Okay, and and so and so there is a very big challenge around the corner now. Um, I I believe, however, that we're in a world where, sadly, uh, like my own personal experience, not everyone understands this, the language of spirituality because, sadly, we have been trained in school and at work and in all other places to become more hyper-masculine, if you want, use our yeah. logical and analytical brain. Now, I believe that spirituality, separated from religion, okay, uh, is, a, uh, is the science of the metaphysical, okay? Uh, because the scientific method, uh, sadly, uh, says, starts with an observation, okay? If you cannot observe something in the physical world, in physics, in biology, in chemistry, in all science, scientists will not work on it, okay? They will refuse to work on it simply because it does not, to them, it does not exist, and that's mm-hmm. wonderful because that, that's how the scientific method developed all that we know today in terms of all quantum physics and the laser beams that res- resulted and the te- you know quantum computing and all of that stuff, okay? Now, uh, ha- however, there is a big part of life hmm, that we know exists. We just cannot observe it with physical measurements, okay? Mm-hmm. Love. I mean, if you haven't felt love, uh, then you're missing out big time, but ev- almost everyone, ev- everyone feels love, but we can't measure love. There's, there's absolutely yeah. no way, right? There's, so, so, so love exists, but it's not measurable. Huh? Uh, the, the, everyone has felt uh, connected to another person at a point in time, you know, even though they just have just met, okay? Yeah. Now, there is something there. Hmm? It's a little bit unscientific if you want because you can't really observe it and prove it now spirituality is the science if you want that's related to that the challenge with spirituality is that it was given a lot of attention pre-scientific method and so it used the mystical language that was the fad at the time okay that that language today doesn't is not valid at all okay so when when someone uses a very soft voice and talks to me about things that are you know, life is energy, and I, I, I personally, even though I'm, I'm very, very uh, spiritual in so many ways, hmm, I myself go like, can you please prove that stuff? I'm trained, mm-hmm. Hmm, yeah, that I need a proof, right? Mm-hmm. So we we need to become a lot more uh, uh, committed to avoiding talking about spirituality as if we know, okay. You may believe there are spirit animals as per the uh, shaman, uh, you know, uh, uh, spiritual uh, teachings. Yeah, just say, I believe. Don't, don't position it as, oh, by the way, there are spirit animals and those spirit animals are there to guide you. And from the way you look at me, uh, your spirit, spirit animal is a puppy, right? Don't say those things, right? <laughs> those things annoy the people that are not yet able to believe or agree or accept the things that are actually not proven. Now, mm-hmm. this is one thing. The other thing is religion, okay? And really interestingly, the best teachings we've ever had on spirituality came from religions, in- including, by the way, things like Buddhism, which we all love, which, yeah. which s- t- tells, it says, no, but Buddhism is not a religion. No, it is. Okay, it is because all religions, without exception, are revolving around three things: a position around the divine, 
okay a a way for you to uh, to uh, to treat others okay and a way for you to treat yourself okay so that you can find happiness and 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 ease in life and buddhism has a stand on all three okay even though their position on the divine is different than christianity or islam or judaism or or uh, hinduism or whatever okay but they do have a position okay the, you know emptiness the, it's a position and they talk about compassion is the way to treat others and you know they talk about your own practice of meditation and so on and so forth to alleviate your own suffering it's it is hmm? the challenge with religions is there is a lot of crap in there okay either either uh, crap that was communicated wrong or practiced mm-hmm. wrong so when you when you when you hear about a, a man of religion abusing a child that gives a very bad name for religion if you believed that this man actually represented the religion okay but if this man by definition is doing something that a religion doesn't want then actually there is nothing wrong with the core with the base okay so so i i went through that cycle i went from being very religious to being atheist uh, not atheist but let's say agnostic to to being uh, very very spiritual to being now in a state i call fruit salad okay and in my fruit salad state which is really i think the most joyful you can ever find the my, yeah. my fruit salad state i i started to tell myself if if i gave you a basket of 12 oranges right and and seven of them were not good okay does that mean you throw away the whole basket or do you keep the good five right and 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 the logical thing for, uh, for m- most people will say if there are a couple of things wrong with religion then i don't want religion at all okay i basically started to say if there is one thing right about it i'll keep that one but there is an orange in islam and a and a banana in christianity and a, an apple in judaism and so on and so forth and and so i'm building my own fruit salad i have my own view of a beautiful core hmm, that makes thing everything incredibly amazing now i'll go back to the original question and the original question was is spirituality important for your well-being and happiness no it isn't okay but it's so much nicer when it's there why mm. because when i wrote when i wrote soul for happy and actually on slow mo on my podcast you would actually uh, sadly there is nothing that i do that doesn't actually have a very deliberate pattern huh? but 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 my pattern when i when when i uh, wrote soul for happy was i had the first 12 chapters of 14 not mentioning a single word of spirituality other than a little bit on stone chapter 4 which was talking about the illusion of self right mm-hmm. uh, and and then the last two chapters hmm, needed to be there because i was dealing with the loss of my child my beautiful ali left our world and is now metaphysical okay so if what if your happiness or unhappiness or well-being is related to something physical in this world the first 12 chapters were you know uh, by that i mean more than 90% of everything physical you can deal with without spirituality but sadly as humans hmm, we're not just physical and everyone knows it even agnostics and atheists know that my son hmm, when he was lying there on the intensive care table and he left our world something left him okay this physical form that was exactly the same a minute before was no longer my son ali it was no longer him okay his true beautiful essence hmm, was no longer there what that is you know religions call it spirit call it what you want okay call it what you want it's your choice but the truth is mm. there is something non physical about us okay 
if if your unhappiness and lack of success and your trauma in life and your you know stress is related to that non-physical part you're going to need to be spiritual to solve it okay and often it will be often it will mm-hmm. be okay because because you know even if you just take the very simple concept of purpose hmm, if you consider your purpose to be only physical then what's that other part of you you know does it does that have a purpose that that other part of you is non that's non physical does it have a purpose and if you don't actually start to address that purpose you're halfway there you're only addressing your physical purpose mm. wow lots just, lots to think about yes yeah, so <laughs> interesting no i love the way you speak about that um no but it's so true i think as well yeah having that spiritual sense when if like God forbid something like that happened, like losing a child, I bet that helps so much. And that's what I do find really, really interesting about the way you speak about Ali and the loss of him, especially when you spoke at Roxy Nafusi's webinar. I just remember listening and I was like so touched and so moved by the way you spoke because I just thought your outlook on it was just incredible. And I think the way you speak about it can help so many people. Um, So I'd love to know like for someone that is perhaps grieving now or in the process of grieving, because I imagine it's kind of like that never ending. How, like, how did you approach it? Because I know you speak about it in a way of like suffering is a choice. I know a lot of people mm. can go quite easily into victim mode. And I know it's like not the easiest subject to talk about, but you talk about it in an, an incredible way. Mm. So I would really love to know a little bit more about Ali, firstly, because he sounds absolutely mm. amazing. And yeah, your process of grieving the loss of him. Uh, that's a very, 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 very multidimensional question. So, so I, I, I want to, I want to, I want to start, I'll get to every part of it, but allow me to, to start from the right place. Okay. Um, you never get tested unless you're almost close enough to pass the test. You have to understand that, but the tests that we get in life, hmm, are almost always tougher than what we can handle. Let, let me try to explain. So you speak about Roxy, who's a very, very dear friend. Uh, Roxy's uh, um, dilemma in life, if you want, was, I, I, I don't know how to say it, but was the loss of herself, was her an, mm-hmm. inability to actually express herself in the in the right way, being a, 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 you know, a, an Instagram influential and so on. Uh, and, and so, influencer. Uh, and so on. So, so when she was on my podcast, she spoke so openly and wonderfully about her own challenge of passing that bit and how difficult it was for her. Okay, mm-hmm. if you're in grief, hmm, that that be, means that this is the part of you that you need to develop. Life or God, whichever what you wanna you you wanna believe in, uh, sort of pushes you to become a little better by giving you incrementally more difficult tests in life. Okay, most of the tests that I got in life when I was 29, okay, I promise you when I look at them now, I laugh. Okay, not not because they're any different, but because I've seen them before. I've overcome them before. I've seen a million and a half people overcome them as well. I realize they're not relevant sometimes and so on and so forth, right? But, But every one of us goes through a test at a certain point in time and it's the one test that you need. Grief itself, hmm? has so many varieties. A breakup between two people who actually loved each other but couldn't make it work out is a process of grief, okay? Mm. Uh, uh, you know, lo- losing a job that you were excited about is a process of grief. 
uh, you know, uh, that apartment you wanted to rent, but someone paid two pounds more and got it is a process of grief. Okay. And in all the process of grief, the, the, there are five stages and the final stage is known as acceptance. Okay. And so if you can get to acceptance, life starts to work from there. Okay. And, and I'll tell you openly, by the way, whether you like it or not, you're going to accept. So, so, mm-hmm. so the reality is if, if, if someone took that apartment that you were so crazy about, you can hit your head against the door of that apartment 270 times a day for the next 270 days, it's still not going to be yours. Okay. And eventually you're going to go like, okay, I need to go to my apartment and sleep. That's This is how it is. Right. And, and, and so, and so to get to that stage of acceptance comes from two sides. One side is logic, okay, and the other is spirituality, right? And, and you know, when, especially when it comes to something that is uh, uh, metaphysical, but in general, for spirituality in general teaches us acceptance. It teaches us that life hmm, is easier when we don't attach, when we detach, when we try our best, but let go of the results. Now, let's talk, start with the logic so that I don't lose listeners. Death is not what we think it is at all. Okay, especially in Western societies where we sort of don't even want to talk about it. Hmm? In in Eastern societies, death is completely different. So if you go to Mexico, there is the Day of the Dead every year. They celebrate and party with their deceased ones. Okay, if you go to uh, the Sufi, uh, 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 you know. cultures around the world, wherever they are in many places in Turkey and, you know, in, uh, in Iran and the Middle East and so on and so forth, the Sufis will actually celebrate when their loved one dies. Okay. And if you ask a, a grieving mother, she will completely wholeheartedly believe and tell you, this is my son's wedding. Okay. This is the time when he leaves this difficult life to go to a, a, an easier life. Now, that spiritual belief, if it's completely ingrained in you, it makes things a lot easier to handle death, okay? But mm-hmm. let's not talk about that because as I, as I said a few minutes ago, it's, you know, we lose people when we say this. Let's talk about the science, okay? Death is not the opposite of life, okay? And if you, if you look at quantum physics uh, and, and uh, the Big Bang Theory, for example, combined, hmm, the Big Bang Theory uh, basically says there was a tiny little, um, um, you know, uh, ma- mass of matter, okay, that got so condensed that it exploded and created the universe, right? Uh, we know from quantum physics that matter only exists when observed by a form of life, which basically says that life existed before the Big Bang, okay, so that we can actually have material that can explode into the universe, right? That life, mean, it means that life is independent of this physical universe. It's a, it's a separate form than the physical universe that can observe the physical universe. That's one thing. If you take the theory of relativity hmm, and understand the relativity of time, you understand that your physical form hmm, is, is bound by time because it exists within the space-time continuum. Hmm? But, that, but that by definition, the only way to perceive something is to be outside it. So the only way for, you, for us to have perceived planet Earth is to send a spaceship outside it and take a picture of it. Okay? 
So, so if you're inside planet Earth, you cannot perceive it. Accordingly, if you're within time, you can't perceive the passage of time. The only way you can actually perceive time, the whole, the entire space-time continuum, is if you're outside it, which basically means that the, non, the non-physical part of you exists outside space-time. The life, the living side of you exists outside space-time. And if it exists outside space-time, by definition, that means it's timeless. Okay? It's timeless because it's not bound by the arrow of time as your physical form is. Okay? And I can go on with a ton of science that will tell you without, uh, um, without a, a shadow of a doubt hmm, that death is not the opposite of life. Life exists before b- b- birth, during life, during life on this planet, and after. Okay? Death is the opposite of birth. And life mm-hmm. exists before, during, and, as, and after. You come to this world through a portal to this physical form, through a portal that's called birth, okay? You, you play that level of the game for a while, and then you exit this, this uh, uh, physical world through a portal go, called death, okay? And you're alive before, during, and after. And when you start to understand this, you understand one simple fact, okay? And that is the true fact that completely got me where I was with Griefing Ali. Okay, you understand that I have no guarantee whatsoever if I will be able to finish this podcast with you. I could fall fall uh, uh, dead right now. Okay, mm-hmm. zero guarantees on how if you, if you're gonna live another second, right? The only guarantee I have is that eventually, sooner or later, I will be where Ali is right now. Do you understand where the the, yeah. the journey that he went through? Okay, which started with his birth, a beautiful life where he gave so much love, so much wisdom, so much best hugs on the planet. Like I will tell you openly, nobody will ever be hugged the way he hugged us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all of that beautiful life ended through the portal called death, right? I will get to that portal too. I know that for certain, okay? And yeah. whether it's within a second or within 20 years, how fast were the 20 year, last 20 years of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So by, by the way, I might as well just live them. There, there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of joy in them. There's going to be a lot of missing Ali in them. Hmm? But eventually I'm going to be there, wherever there is, by the way. And I don't want to get into that detail because that's when spirituality gets it wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. Hmm? What, what we know is that where Ali is right now, listen to this, he has always been there. He was just connecting with his avatar hmm, that was called his physical form. He just took off the headset. He no longer is holding Mm. the controller. So he disconnected from the physical avatar, but his non-physical self has always been there. And by the way, my non-physical self is there already sitting next to him on a red sofa and playing with my avatar. Do do you Mm -hmm. understand how that game? If you're a video gamer, you would get that completely. Hmm? Yeah. What you see on that screen of the video game is not really you. The real you is the one holding the controller. And this physical form holding the controller is not really you. The real you is in another layer and another dimension. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's just so your your mind, your brain is huge. There's so much. um, (laughs) Thank you. um, Yeah. Just the way that you like see things so differently and obviously think so deeply combining that science side and that spiritual side it's fascinating because not that many people 
can articulate things in that way and um and and yeah and like what you're saying about like the fruit salad and all this all, all mm, that and like well. picking what you want um to take from each religion bits of spirituality that works for you is such a good way to look at it because i think so many people just get shut off from that because they're like well missing, I, I missing don't... out on yeah missing yeah. out on gold on gold yeah I mean, yeah yeah, so yeah absolutely religion yeah, there, there, mm. there is a, 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 tire, a ton of crap, but there is so much gold in religion. Yeah. It really is a very interesting topic to study. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think that so like where there is so many people in this world struggling with their mental health, like you're saying, it's not essential for you to become spiritual to be happy, but it does bring a lot of greatness to your life if you do open yourself up and embrace yeah. it. And just hearing someone like you who, you know, you're a best-selling author. You you were really high up at Google, and, and just because you know what society's like, like they really value things like that. So then hearing it come from you, people take it in more and and believe it more rather than yeah. like switching off. Like you said, you know, it's about how it's delivered to people. And um, what feedback we always get on our podcast is that we deliver that spiritual element in a non like bullshit, you know kind of way where people feel like they can relate to it because they feel like they can relate to us and think oh okay so I can I can take that on it doesn't mean I'm going to turn into some crazy hippie that people think is going to happen and they switch off from like you said that gold that bit of gold that you can have in your life if you embrace mm -hmm. it so yeah I like how you you, you know um, what I find you know what I find more um, even more amazing by the way you know, because you mentioned, you know, I was very senior at Google and, you know, I write and I analyze and I'm an engineer and a mathematician and all of that crap. But, but the truth is, <laughs> the truth is really, 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 we know nothing at all. So, so that the barrier we have between us and spirituality hmm, is they, you know, oh, no, no, I won't believe in that stuff because I can't prove it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I apologize. I apologize. But none of what you know, you can prove. And all of that, all that you know. Hmm? by definition, is a tiny fraction of what is out there to know, okay? And yeah. if you take mm -hmm. simple things like science, hmm? you know, Newton uh, comes with Newton laws in 1680, I think, uh, right? And we believe them fully. We put a man on the moon using, using uh, Newton's law, but, but then we realize, I think, 1870 or so, don't quote me on the, on the dates, uh, Maxwell comes in and says, hey, by the way, the world is not just made of particles. There are also waves, right? And people mm. go like, whoa, Newton missed out all of that, right? Einstein comes out in 1905, I think, and says, oh, by the way, Newton assumed that T was constant, T is relative, right? And then people come back, you know, in the 60s and say, oh, by the, by the way, I mean, much earlier, but prove it completely and say, oh, by the way, Einstein missed quantum physics completely, or at least a big part of it. And then, you know, quantum physics itself goes away with M theory and string theory and so on. And, and yet we now, you know, we stand at what, whichever point in those, okay, and, and, and on that timeline, we stand there and we say, we figured it out. We know everything, right? And then yeah. 60 years later, we realize we knew nothing at all, okay? Mm -hmm. So what makes you think that what we know now is everything? Maybe someone mm -hmm. will invent a, 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 a device tomorrow that will see the spirit, just like we invented a, a device that's, that saw bacteria. Right. Mm -hmm. Until we invented that device, we didn't we didn't think there was anything smaller than, a, you know, a pea. Uh, but that's yeah. it. Like pea are, is the smallest oh no, or a grain of sand. That's the smallest thing that exists. Right. And then someone goes like, hold on, hold on. Look, I can see there is bigger. Right. Mm. No, or there is smaller or whatever. So so the truth is, I, I would say 
it's a bit of arrogance, actually, if you think about it, that we reject what we don't understand. True, true, true humbleness is to say, there are so many things I don't get, but it's probable or possible that they exist. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your mind open. Yeah. No, I love that so much. Oh, but yeah, I feel like I could go on forever, but I think my head would probably explode. <laughs> so much great information. Um, but yeah, no, there's so many questions, but we would love to know, because obviously you are a happiness expert. It's something you studied for years and years before you even wrote your book. So bit more like kind of off topic but we would love to know what is a day in the life of you like what do you have like non-negotiables I know you say you talked to Becky we'd love to know like what are like some more practical tips that our listeners could implement should should I be super I I want to be super honest Uh, I yeah uh, be honest be honest I'm I'm I am I'm several people at the same time sadly so I am a CEO of a very prominent startup I am a founder of my uh, of my happiness app, which hopefully comes out in September, which is a fantastic wow. idea. You're yeah. probably going to love it. Uh, co-founder with a very dear friend. It's called Appy. I record my podcast, which is now in the top 2% worldwide slow-mo. I write, uh, you know, religiously at least two hours mm-hmm. every day, uh, you know, and then I do public speeches and, and it's just busy. It really is yeah. quite busy. Okay, and yeah. uh, and I, I I typically work twelve hour days most of the most of the time. Weekends mm-hmm. I probably work more, uh, which makes you wonder uh, if I'm happy at all. I'm the happiest person you know, uh, mm-hmm. and and I'll tell you hands down uh, that there are simple things hmm, that can so so happiness you know is about being able to work 12 hour days and saying, oh my God, I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it's about being able to stop hmm, if you don't love it immediately and say, guys, that's it for me today. I'm not going to attend any more meetings. I'm not going to write anymore. I'm going to play Halo. Oh, by the way, I'm a world champion level of Halo. Uh, for anyone <laughs> listening, I can, I can definitely kick your bum. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> That's my gamer lingo right there. Uh, but, 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 but you see, the, the idea is very straightforward. Huh? The idea is there are some practices that are um, irreplaceable. Okay? Uh, so you, I meditate every single day. Uh, I have mm-hmm. actually meditated. Non- I did not miss a day for the last 315 days. Okay? Wow. Uh, I, uh, yeah, and I measure. Right? Uh, I work yeah. out uh, at least seven of every 10 days. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't do the crazy stuff that personal trainers tell us and I don't mm. do the soft <laughs> stuff that, uh, but I, I work out a proper workout that just gets me a little bit close to fatigue, but doesn't kill me. Right. And, yeah. and I actually, you know, when I write, for example, I write uh, four books at the same time, most of the time, because I don't want it to be a job. Mm-hmm. I want to whatever inspires me to be written that day. Uh, um, I have uh, my, my, my morning is mine. I never leave home or go to work or attend meetings or whatever uh, before 11 a.m. People will say, ah, but mm-hmm. you're senior and successful. If you, uh, you know, basically I you know I wake up at 7, 8 and the first couple of hours are completely mine and then I get ready and leave hmm? uh, or, you know, or get ready and engage if you want. If yeah. you, if you, if you, do, if you're not that senior, wake up at five. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, five means sleep at 9, 10 a- a- p.m. and you'll be fine, right? But mm-hmm. but basically, 
is the priority for me to stay up until midnight and binge watch Netflix or is the priority for me to start my mornings with a very, very slow cup of coffee, okay? Uh, perfectly, uh, you know, made with a lot of attention and a lot of love, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, my priority is to sit down and meditate, is to reflect, is to organize my day, is to not rush through anything, is to, you know, uh, uh, read, is to reflect, is to whatever. Okay. And that to me is a very important, you know, this is the most important part of your day is how you start your day. And then finally, I would say openly, um, I, I also work on long-term projects most of the time. So I always define one area of my life that I'm trying to improve and I'm very patient with me. So I'm, I've been empowering my feminine side for the last six and a half years, very patiently. Mm. Okay. Doing much better, thankfully. Uh, and then the one thing I will tell you, which can trump all of it hmm, is endless, unconditional love. Okay. And mm -hmm. if you manage to teach yourself that one trait, your life will flip upside down. Okay. There are two mm -hmm. kinds of love in the world. There is what I call material love or conditional love, if you want, which is basically a statement that says, I love you, or I love this because if there is a because, okay, then it's conditional. Mm, so I, I love her because she makes me happy. That's conditional. Mm. If she stops making you happy, you'll stop loving her. Okay. And there is, I love this period. Okay. And if you get to that stage where you love everything and everyone unconditionally and treat everything and everyone with that love, I promise you, I promise you, your life will flip upside down. That doesn't mean you don't disagree with people. It doesn't mean you don't take a stand. It doesn't mean that you, you don't, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, get your rights, by the way, this is part of, of self-love. Okay. Mm. But I, I do everything with love, not with mm -hmm. greed, not with hate, not with vengeance, not with all of those negative emotions that we are not with ego. I just treat everything with love. Someone would come and, and treat me badly. And I will say, if I was born to their parents, uh, you know, uh, 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 raised the, the way they were raised, gone through their experiences, I would have treated others badly too. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I will simply in my heart feel love for them and I will not answer. So one of my, my, my typical ways of doing things is I never engage with the negative. And by the way, if you're a public figure and you're in social media, there are always those people that just want to make you feel bad. It's like, yeah. ooh. How, how, you know, you, you, how can you be a happiness expert when you're rich? Uh, seriously, I, I wear $3 t-shirts. Like it has, you know, what, what you mm -hmm. know about the way I live my life is not relevant. And by the way, you know, it's not right to actually give yourself the right to judge me that way, but I don't engage with it. Okay. I, I, I look at that person and I say, if I was going through the difficult time that they are, that they must be going through, I would have written the same comment myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if you get that into your life, nothing else matters because suddenly you will realize hmm, that life is actually amazing in every possible yeah. way. If you have a roof on top of your head, if you have one person that loves you in the world, and if you have enough food to eat today, mm -hmm. that's it. Okay. And if you're healthy, that's it really. Okay. Yeah. Everything else, everything else, believe it or not, is a thought in your brain everything mm -hmm. else. And the only way to trump all thoughts at the same time is to have that one rule. Everything will be viewed through a lens of love. And if you do mm -hmm. that, I think it changes everything. Yeah.
That's so beautiful. Mm. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that. And um, you can really tell that you do approach everything that you do with the intention of love behind it. Because even just from how we've been having a conversation today and your energy and the way that you are, how you answer the questions, you can like you can fully tell that that is like kind of the I basis of both of you. Totally. <laughs> we love you. Oh, we love you too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, and I love everyone listening. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, it's, it's the easiest way to go through life. And yeah, some people will abuse that. When they abuse it, mm. you shut them off. And you know what they lose? Okay. They lose your company, but they don't lose your, sh- your, your love. And that's it. Yeah. They, they sadly don't feel your love anymore. Okay. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I get, I take people out of my life on regular basis, on very regular <laughs> basis. All right. I mean, you were asking about my practices. One of my practices is every three months, I will look back at the three months and say, who took a lot of my time? Do they deserve my time going forward? Okay. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, I will lovingly tell them, I'm so sorry, I can't give you that much time anymore. But I'll say it with love. Yeah. Okay. I remember you saying that. Yeah, we love that. It's it's amazing. I think that's probably the best advice we could have ever asked for. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. You've given us a lot, a lot, a lot to think about. And I think the people that are listening are going to really got so much out of this conversation. And um, so, yeah, so thank you for that and just for everything that you do. But where can everybody find you? Obviously, you've got your podcast. You're, I know you're on Instagram. You've got your book. And you sound like you've got a lot of things coming in the pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. So where can everyone find you? And what have you got coming up that people can get involved in? Um, okay. So <laughs> how much time do we have? Uh, so <laughs> I, I, will, I, I will probably say do not miss on slow-mo. Please don't miss on slow-mo, my podcast. Oh, yeah, amazing. we love that uh, podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, and, and everyone listening, it really is changing lives. This is not my mm-hmm. advice, but this, you know, of, of all the years I've made, you know, thousands of friends who are super wise and mm. super special at what they do. And I bring them on one by one uh, and I sit down quietly and I listen and I learn every single time. It is absolutely life-changing. So, so slow-mo... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if you're, uh, whatever your podcast player is, uh, is just, is important. Uh, I would probably say, uh, find me on Instagram is my most active, uh, 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 you know, um, um, uh, social media thing, uh, mm-hmm. more underscore Gaudet. And I actually do answer every question I, I receive, which is yeah. a very bad habit, but, uh, but <laughs> I, uh, uh, I mean, they, it makes, may take me time. But I normally get to all of them. And if I don't, I really apologize. But I try. Uh, and mm. then, uh, yeah, book, books-wise, Sword for Happy is out and still uh, really doing well uh, everywhere in the world. Uh, next yeah. uh, September, we're going to uh, publish something called Scary Smart about artificial intelligence and ethics and, and the idea that happiness is the human duty and responsibility if we were, raise, were to raise our artificially intelligent infants properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably going to be available for pre-order in a couple of months by uh, July mm-hmm. or so. Uh, so scary smart. And uh, and yeah, that's it. Uh, Content-wise, I don't do too many, but I normally put out four or five very useful uh, posts out on on social media every week. And yeah. uh, that's that's it. Otherwise, go speak to Becky and uh, <laughs> <laughs> she will tell you the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> amazing it's been so amazing thank you so much yeah thank you you're so, so much welcome on. thank you for your time and for inviting me and uh we will stay in touch yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs>
wow what an incredible conversation i really really hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed recording it and definitely go and consume mo as much as you can get into his mind his podcast is incredible it's called slow mo and also read his book i really thoroughly enjoyed that book there's just so many great tips in it it's so thorough but also really easy and really enjoyable to read so definitely go and consume all you can yeah if you've been feeling low recently and struggling to feel happy like that book solve for happy has the happiness equation in it and it's very easy to digest that's the thing sometimes with like self-development spirituality um you can feel a bit overwhelmed like you're just like well where do I even start because there's so many things that I could do but what do I do what's going to work for me and it obviously it takes a while trial and error to figure out what works for you but that equation a happiness equation you can take it away and implement it straight away and start to flip your mindset so I really really recommend that book if um, any of you guys have been feeling a bit low or even if you haven't it's just good books to, mm. to read um so yeah we've left links for where you can purchase it in in the show notes as well as the links to all of Mo's social media his own podcasts and everything else so yes go and get involved with Mo get into Mo's vortex because it's a good one to be in <laughs> and let me know as well if anybody else cried at the end because when I yeah. when I listened back I was like my eyes were watering at that last <laughs> point watering. Always makes me laugh when you say why because <laughs> I just think eyes watering means like you've got poked in the eye yeah Mo poked me in the eye <laughs> with, his with his with his unconditional <laughs> love well, if you guys want to, um, you know, you heard Mo, he's on a 300 and something day kill streak mm. of meditation. That's pretty impressive. If you want to get into your own meditation habit, but you don't know where to go, where where to turn to, we've got you covered. We have a range of meditations available for you to download straight to your phone from our website. They're all themed. So whatever you want to meditate on, manifestation, self-love, anxiety relief, whatever it is, we've got a meditation on the website. And all you need to do is go to findingyourfeetpodcast.com and you can shop on there and get whatever you want straight to your phone. They're all recorded and written by me and Abby straight from the soul with really nice, relaxing, beautiful music behind it. And if you want to try out our meditations just to see what they're like before you buy, we've got one that we recently uploaded on our Instagram at Find Your Feet Podcast on our IGTV, a little five minute meditation. You can go on there and listen to that if you like it, then you'll definitely like the ones on the website. Yeah, I love that little meditation that you posted on the Sunday. It's very, very relaxing. It's a little taster of our meditations. And if you do want to come and follow us on our Instagram and join in all the fun, we literally post every day and we're there on the stories every day. Our Instagram is findingyourfeetpodcast.com. Come and chat to us. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Or you can very kindly leave us an Apple Podcast review for your chance to be featured in Apple Podcast Review of the Week. And for any of you guys that didn't know, we do post all of our big Wednesday episodes on our YouTube channel. So if you want to watch this conversation with Mo, if you again, or if you just would like to watch our podcast and video form, we put them all on YouTube. Our channel name is Finding Your Feet, the podcast. And we've left the link to the show notes. And then one last thing before we let you go. <laughs> We send you an email every Monday morning with like a positive wisdom filled email, like some food for thought, something to get you going for your week ahead. We always get amazing feedback on the emails. People, people, people really like them. They're always like, were you like reading my mind when you wrote that? Cause I needed <laughs> to hear that. So if you want to receive our emails, just subscribe to our mailing list. We've left the link in the show notes as well, but that's all for now. Really hope you enjoyed this episode guys. Come and let us know what you thought. Um, cause we loved recording this one. We really did. Thank you for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.